welcome to Hit for Six. Happy Eurovision Day. Today was meant to be the day of the Eurovision Song Contest, but instead um, we're here, Hit for Six. Um, what is this, Michael? Episode six of the lockdown? It's episode six of our total, you know, back to podcast run. And it's uh, episode three of our special series where we're picking our combined England 11 since 2000 for my lifetimes. And uh, it is passing by very quickly for me, Rob. I'm loving it. Yeah, well, I'm certainly loving these discussions. Lockdown less so. Um, key position today, hey, number three. Yeah, yeah, that's the real kind of the glue of the batting lineup. You know, you leave, lose your openers early. Who's going to be that person to stick in there um, and play with some of those middle order players and taking on to that mammoth score, first inning score that we're all expecting? Also, a position we've really struggled to fill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. But I think a lot of teams have. I think unless you kind of have been blessed. It's the, hardest one to, it's the hardest one to fill, isn't it? It's the hardest place to bat in the lineup, oh, apart from maybe opener. But I think there's so much pressure being a number three because you're meant to be the best batsman. So, yeah, very difficult for one to get right. Well, they often put their real, like you often want to put your real best player at four, right? And so three is kind of always in that even harder role of being the almost best batsman who needs to go in and open, but also needs to score loads of hundreds. And I'm trying to think of like really, really top class number threes of the 21st century from any country. I mean, I suppose Hashim Amla played there very successfully. Ponting. Mm, um, I was going to say Ponting. And Pujara with India has been a... Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson. But who's our England version? Who do we think is our number three? Go on, Michael. Talk me through some of your, some of your top contenders. Okay, so an obvious contender. He had a lot of success in the role until he sadly had to you know, stop playing international cricket for partly, you know, reasons similar to Marcus Chiscoffic, um, Jonathan Trott. Uh, he had to finish playing because of a stress-related illness, but for a few years, he churned out the runs, including in his debut test of an Ashes-winning century. And um, also, I, I like him as well, because while maybe not the most pleasing on the eye to watch, I really enjoy watching him dig his groove and just really piss off the opposition. Like, they, you could just tell they absolutely hated him and they hated how long he took between balls and he'd really get in their heads that way and he was just in his own bubble and, you know, he's got to be a contender, surely. Yeah, he, he was our top-performing number three batsman when England, over, yeah, in, in our lifetime, have been, been the best they've been. Took, he was absolutely... He, was, he, felt almost, he was a real missing piece that came in at the end of that summer of 2009. There was an integral... Yeah throughout the rest of Andy, Andy Flowers' stint as coach, really, up until it all, all went wrong. He, he was there in all those key series wins, um, you know, kind of Australia away, beating India to become the world number one side, winning out in India. Yeah, he was there and performing consistently, scoring hundreds. So definitely a name to throw in the mix. Uh, anyone brilliant, else? Brilliant book as well. I, uh, I shouted out to you, didn't I? And... Um... And you've read it as well now. Really good book. I'd recommend it to anyone. It's got loads of insights and loads of extracts from people from very different sides of that England changing room. And it's really fascinating to read, actually. So, so from your point of view, really, this is, a, this is a side made up of who's got the best autobiography. Because you, you like to stop it. Strauss didn't get picked because his one was too boring. Trot's in there because <laughs> his. What about KP, KP's book next week? That's going to be tasty. Who are your thoughts on that? <laughs> you've, got, you've got to factor it in, haven't you? I mean, KP's book, I'll be honest, I didn't get through because it was just full of eight-word sentences 
full stops, exclamation marks. I was wronged, you know, and it's just not very readable. I will say it's probably to Alistair's benefit that I don't think he has released a book yet. No, he has. He has released a book. He just has. He has. It's on my bookshelf. He did a. He he launched it at the Wimbledon Book Festival last year, and I attended Q and A with Michael Atherton. It was excellent. Any Um, good? Any good book? I I haven't read it yet, Michael. I get a book and then I read it about six years later. So um, I'll I'll read it sometime in my early thirties and thoroughly enjoy it. Um, But it's it's a classic sports book. It's like Alistair Cook, my story. Photo of him, hardback. I won't, be rush, I won't be rushing to read it. Maybe I'll get there in the end. Um, and then, I don't know, who would be your top pick, Rob? I heard rumours of a renegade pick for himself. Yeah, a massively renegade pick, which I'm sure will leave our, our tens of listeners up in arms. Um, for me, my dream, if I was picking this side on my own, there's only one person to pick at number three. And oh, that's, it's going to be Joe Denley, isn't it? It's not Joe Denley, although I do love his dimples. Uh, it's, it's Mark Butcher. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is mainly for sentimental reasons and per, and slightly personal reasons. I mean, he's the first person I ever remember someone scoring 100 for England. So the first Test match I have any memory of was um, Headingley 2001 Ashes. I was five years old. It was around the time of my mum's birthday, uh, and I remember sitting down watching it. And watching him score a massive hundred as we chased down 300 odds without hardly losing a wicket to win that test. I mean, little was I aware that we'd be battered in the rest of the series. Uh, but see, he's really my first ever England cricketing memory uh, involves Mark Butcher. So that's one reason. Second reason, um, he's a South London man. And so there's, for me, there's a, there's a sort of a, a connection there. And also his younger brother, Gary, was a member of the PE department at my school and was my cricket coach for a bit. And so there's that reason as well. And, so all this and he's very, very musically talented as well. Very musically talented, got a great voice. Uh, and then when you, there are some things worth factoring in, which I think, like, he was a really, really top player. And I think one of the things that speaks volumes about him, and I like any player who's had to have this, is when he, he completely fell apart and got dropped from the England team and then played so poorly for Surrey, he ended up playing for the Surrey second team. And then within six months, was back in the England team. He went, went away with his dad, worked really hard, and came back, a, you know, straight back into the England team and a, a crucial player. I mean, up until I, the I, injuries, injuries kind of curtailed his career. I mean, he may well have been in that 2005 Ashes side if he hadn't had sort of persistent injuries and, and really struggled um, just fitness-wise. And so, yeah, he, he's my kind of left-field pick. An average, a test average of only 34 doesn't set the world alight, but isn't disgraceful. But it's those moments, as you said uh, in our first podcast uh, on sort of picking our team, it's the, it's the feeling you get. And I, when I mark Butcher, I get, I get a great feeling. Moments are really important. No, fair play. And I watched that innings. It was going around on Facebook the other day, that 174 not out or whatever it was. And it was incredible the way he just was so aggressive throughout the innings and against that unbelievable lineup of Brett Lee, Warren, Gillespie, McGrath. He came in, I think we were 10 for one. Um, and from just the first ball, he was so on the front foot, just kept crunching them through the offside, the boundary after boundary. And it was an incredible chase. And he just never let up. And even when he lost wickets at the other end, he just kept going. And it was brilliant to watch. And I, and then, I then obviously went straight to Crick Info to read Mark Butcher's profile again. And the top line is Mark Butcher's cricket career was one very good year for England, two solid years a few poor years and one incredible day. And it was that day which you remember so fondly. So fair enough, it's a, 
It's a good shout. Um, I think for me, my other more, you know, head over heart pick would be Michael Vaughan. Um, ju- not just because of a weight of runs, because obviously he, he, he didn't average a seriously high amount as captain. His average went down the longer he was captain. We do need a captain for this team, and he was a wonderful captain, particularly in that 2005 Ashes. And he also scored a title in that series. So what would you, what would you say to that one? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you think he's got a factor somewhere, and it would be controversial to say the least. And if we suddenly get to picking our, our top four or five, and no Strauss, no Vaughan, could be Cook, do we pick, if, does Root get picked? You know, who, suddenly there is big questions over who the captain is going to be. Um, so, he, he, yeah, he, he's got a factor in. I'm just not a, I've never really warmed to Michael Vaughan. Uh, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because he's kind of, as a pundit, he's kind of overly, um, he kind of takes like a quite strong opinion and speaks as if he's like the sage of English cricket. I don't know if he, he does undoubtedly live off one brilliant series where he played, where he did captain well and it was, it was fantastic. And I, I, I feel he's kind of lauded as this like icon of English cricket a la a, a Ricky Ponting of Australia or or even some like a Graham Smith in South Africa, but actually his, his stats and what he achieved are um, significantly less impressive. And so I just, think about it, I, I just think he positions himself like he's bigger and better than he, than he ever really was. I think it's a fair argument. I think I, I'm absolutely the same with you that I've never warmed to him. I remember when it was him and Strauss's names in the running for the new position they created as, you know, director of ECB. And I was very, very much behind Strauss, not Vaughan. Never, ever felt particularly warm towards Vaughan since he retired and since he started basically opened his mouth as a pundit. Um, and just quickly, Rob, I think we've got a surprise and late entry into the building. I, I know. He, he's, he's here at Lark. He was supposed to be here 25 minutes ago, but Freddie Larkins, welcome. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Sorry about that. I'm all right. So, so this is Freddie's second attempt to come on the podcast. The first attempt had to be aborted because his internet wasn't good enough. So he kept cutting out and we had to edit all his bits out. And now um, we set, you know, we we up like doing these things early in the weekend, you know, to get get on the rest of our weekend afterwards. I messaged Freddie at eleven pm last night, going, "You sure nine am is okay with you?" Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And here we are today. What happened, Freddie? Well, so the first time was technical problems. I'm going to put put it down as technical problems as well. I think I set I set my alarm, but it must be it must be only a weekday alarm. So nothing went off. Um, and then, obviously, I uh, I kind of slept in. So sorry about that. <laughs> let's uh, let's catch you up, Freddie. So we've already spoken quickly. We're, obviously, we're choosing England's best number three. You were briefed in advance. So I hope you've got some interesting thoughts. Um, we've already spoken about Jonathan Trott and Michael Vaughan, some obvious candidates. And Rob's put a less obvious name into the mix, but one I like, uh, Mark Butcher. What say you? Interesting. Well. I was coming in hot with uh, with with Michael Vaughan. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, but I, I see. I take your point about about him, Rob. He does, uh, as a pundit, act act as if he kind of has. He, you know, he had a good record, but certainly not. You know, if if, if you heard him, if you heard him speak for the first time, you kind of think he'd he'd, he'd have a record, the likes of like Ponting or someone like that. You know. He, uh, he, he, he kind of stands there, stands there over um, English cricket, a bit like some of the 2003 Rugby World Cup lot, Woodward, yeah. Martin Johnson, Del Alia do. 
But they achieved some serious things. Grand yeah. Slams, World Cups, you know, kind of unbeaten record at Twickenham for, for four years. Michael Vaughan had a, we had a good sit, you know, he scored a load of runs in a losing course in Australia. Then kind of decent series against the Africa, just didn't even win at home. Looked good coming. They had a good win to build up the Ashes, a great Ashes 2005, and then kind of proceeded to sort of sit over a team that never quite fulfilled its potential. Largely not his fault, of course, injuries, certain players, lots of forms that he can't legislate for. But you look at, it was like a, a brief glimpse of a, it's like a Brendan Rodgers Liverpool manager. Like, oh, there was that one year where we were really good, I swear. Yeah. Um, but then talked as if, yeah, he's Alex Ferguson. It's, it's that, kind of, that kind of thing. I, for me, that, just as a, yeah, like a black mark against the name feels strong. But it's just, it just means that I, this, is, this is my England team, the team I want to represent, all my hopes and dreams of love of English cricket. And, and Michael Vaughan's not in it. So I just think, though, he, <laughs> we have to have a captain. I know his record wasn't as good as a Ponting or as a Smith. But if we're talking about moments, that 2005 Ashes is important. Like, that 2005 Ashes is the birth of so many people's love of cricket across the country, including myself. It was an incredible series, arguably one of the best series ever, if not the best. And uh, you know what? Like, I don't really like him, and I think he's a bit, a bit annoying, and I think he's full of himself. But I also think if there's one series you are going to dine out on for the rest of your career, that would be the one. And he clearly did do some very good captaincy during that series. What is it, the famous line where he gets them all to point at the balcony um, as the Australians are celebrating getting away with a draw? And he says, look at them. We've got the Australians celebrating a draw. That doesn't happen. And all of, this, all of the psychology, all of the momentum shifted. And that's not just him saying that. So many different England players have cited that in books, in their autobiographies. And I know they're all just jumping on the bandwagon on a good story. But I don't know. There's something about that that's important for me. And um, his, him, him getting us that 2005 actually really puts him right up there for me. And also, we have to have a captain. And I actually don't think there's that many other good examples because we haven't picked Strauss we need to have a captain somewhere and for me Vaughan is the obvious candidate um, I was having a look at his average and he ended up averaging um, 41 and he definitely averaged a lot more than that as an opener so his averaging as number three must have been in the 30s so not spectacular but for me he's getting in there on the weight of his captaincy alone the question is though then does he, does he have to bat three that's the other thing to think about because you know I think the the openers are clear. You've got the openers. We even talked about him possibly coming in as a, as an opener when we went with Triscothic last week. But there is going to be fluidity between three, three, four, five, possibly even six. Um, you know, it could be filled from a number of players: Root, Peterson, Stokes. Do, do, yeah. do you see Vaughan back a little bit lower down? All I'm saying is, could we have a three and four of Mark Butcher and Michael Vaughan? I mean, that's my question. <laughs> How are we sneaking? You're, you need, we, are need, we need to work out how we get Mark Butcher into this team by hook yeah. by crook. Come, come number five, he'll be back. Don't worry. If he doesn't get picked today, <laughs> I'll be bringing Mark oh, Butcher back at number five. Mark Butcher as a specialist counter-attacking number seven. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, he could bowl, bowl a bit of left-arm medium. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's that all-rounder. Forget, forget Flintoff and Stokes. Mark Butcher is England's all-rounder of the, of the 21st century. So I think for me, you chuck Vaughan in at three rather than Root, Peterson, um, Stokes, basically to protect the rest of them because none of them want to bat three. Well, it's um, not much saying that they bat three, but that maybe one of them misses out, Vaughan bats four or five, and we pick Vaughan three. at three. <laughs> um, i tell you what, I actually have said for quite a long time, and I still kind of maintain, although Joe Denley with his dimples is 
you know, staying in my current England team at the moment. But I still think Ben Stokes could bat three. I think Ben Stokes is really suited to bat three. I think he's got wonderful technique. I think um, he's mentally strong enough for it. His bowling is going down and down because of his knee anyway. I think he could be Jacques Cullis batting at batting three fairly. I mean, where did Cullis bat? He batted a mixture of three and four, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> primarily four once Amla came in. You kind of have Smith, Amla, an opener, Amla, Cullis. But, I, mean, I really think Stokes could be that top order bat who bowls a few overs and innings, but not much. And I just think he's really suited to batting there. And I think it could just take his batting to the next level almost. So actually, that could be my suggestion. If we're not going to pick Vaughan, I'd push quite strongly for Stokes at three. I mean, I, I keep going away from Mark Butcher, don't I? Which is not the script. Um, but yeah, Stokes for me. And he also he scored a ton at three, didn't he? In the um, thumping away in Australia. At Perth, I think. Um, well, I've always said with, well, the lived experience of, I think it must have been cricket captain 2013. I, I went for Stokes at three and he, it was a great success. So you'll be pleased to know in the virtual world, it, it worked <laughs> to treat that experiment. I feel like our prime candidates just remain Trotz, Vaughan, and the main man himself, Mark Butcher. So I reckon we'll go off those three. But, um, Freddie, who's your, um, Freddie, who's your rogue suggestion? Who's your uh, ex? Like, are you going to chuck a Ravi Papar in there? My rogue suggestion at three. Well, uh, uh, an informed Gary Balance. No one knew how to get him out in, in 2014. Um, but, and then they realised just all full outside off stump. Yeah, yeah. But for the time that no one knew about that, he was world class. Um, I'm just looking at, at, at Michael Vaughan's stats batting at three. Um, and he, he actually, he only made 600s batting at three. He made. 10 hundreds um, opening, averaged 45 uh, opening and 40 at three. And um, Mark Butcher's, whilst Mark Butcher might seem like a rogue shout, his, his, his um, stats at three actually aren't all that different from Michael Vaughan's. 600s as well, with an average of 38. This can't be happening. A high score of, of one, 173. So, you know, if we're delving into the stats. Yeah, and that 173, Freddie, so that's why I selected him, because it's the first memory I have of an England player scoring 100, heading me 2001. Ah, um, oh, what an innings. What a player. What a, what a man. Humble, kind. Ah, oh, I mean, I'm... I'm, seeing, I'm, 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 I'm it's pretty clear where I stand. If... You know, I'm, I'm the host of the Zoom meeting. I can end it. I can, I can, I can mute you both. Uh, and, we can, and we can select Mark Butcher, but but I won't do that. But for, for me, he's the pick. But um, if if not him, then Freddie, are you are you leaning towards Vaughan Trot or, or what? I'm leaning I'm leaning towards uh, towards Trot to be honest, because if we're thinking of iconic moments, um, surely the the kind of the impact that Trot had on that 2009 series, that for me is kind of almost the equivalent of your Butcher moment. I would say, um, picked out of the blue and, you know, uh, has a massive impact. Not, not, you know, in his debut series as well. He played a, a tiny little bit of one-day cricket for, for England before that, but otherwise an unknown entity making that kind of impact. And then being, you know, a key, a key part of that team that rose to success thereafter. Yeah. Whatever came, you know, after that and in Australia in 2013-14, um, fine. But that Jonathan Trott, I, I just think any team in the world from 2010 to 2012-13 would have had 
Jonathan Trot in their team, personally. All right, so we've we've all gone for different. We've all gone different yeah. directions. So I think we're going to have to have a little, a, a, maybe maybe a, a, some kind of alternative vote system, democratic vote on this, where we have a first choice, a second choice, and a third choice, and then we'll sort of work out who 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 does best out of out of that. Yeah. Um. Really, while while just while we're still on trot day, um, do you have his stats to hand at three? Because I wonder if they'd be significantly better than either Butcher or Vaughan. Oh, they definitely will be. He'll be near 50, his average, won't it? 700s, 700s, 1550s, at an average of just a shade under 46. So, you know, not, not terribly different. I mean, yeah, bear in mind, I guess Trot's England career wasn't that. So he's not a man, he's not a man with, you know, 15, 18 test hundreds like, like Vaughan has. But I just think the impact he had was huge. Should we talk about quality of bowling face, though? Because Jonathan Trott's making those tons against some good bowling attacks, but he's also making them against Ben Hilfenhouse. Um, you know, I love Ben Hilfenhouse. Great bloke. Uh, I really liked, I really, I really enjoyed watching him. Ben Hilfenhouse has very kind eyes as well, which always made me warm. Yeah. He seems like a very nice man. He's got a kind soul, I reckon. But um, he's, he's getting those tons against Ben Hilfenhouse. And no disrespect, Ben Hilfenhouse is not Brett Lee, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne. So I would say on a, on, on, on a fourth day headingly pitch, let's not lest we forget. I believe Butcher's managed to get into these final end game discussions. But anyway, Butcher and Vaughan were both making their runs against significantly better bowling attacks around the world, I would say, than Jonathan Trott. That's very true. And really importantly on that, with worse players around them. So Mark yeah. Butcher, actually, in particular, there was I think it was must have been oh. not long before he fell out of the England team. He was getting fifties and being like left on like sixty not out, with the rest of the team all out. Um, banning you know high up the order because it was just like after the end of his career, like NASA was scratching around for runs, other people out of form, and he was consistently um, performing. To Trot had like a cook in the form of his life: Strauss, Peterson, Ian Bell. Oh, if you could bat three in a batting lineup for England, you'd, you'd bat in Trot's lineup, not in the ones with Butcher or, or Vaughan. Sometimes. I also, I also would say Trot never had to face much extreme pace, extreme pace and extreme short pitch bowling, and he always looked like he had a bit of weakness about against it anyway. When he rarely did come up against it, and then in that 2013-14 Ashes, he came, he came completely unstuck as combined with the stress of illness, but also against some serious heat. And he couldn't, and like from a cricketing perspective, he couldn't handle Mitchell Johnson that series. Not many batsmen could, but I just feel like it's not a fair comparison stacking up with the runs he'd scored previous to that against what Vaughan and Butcher achieved 10 years previous against serious bowling attacks. So for me, it's got to be one of them. And for me, it's got to be Vaughan. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, Rob. We need to come up with some sort of a voting system. So what, what I propose then is we each say, we've got our three candidates. We say, who's our first choice? Who's our second choice? And who's our third choice? Um, and you get three points for being the first choice, two points for being the second choice, and one point for being the third choice. And the person with the most points is our selection. And if there's a tie, then it's the person who's been picked first choice most. And if that's tied, then who's been picked second choice most. If that's been tied on as well for third, so we're basically everyone's picked the different orders, and um, then I've decided that I will have the casting vote. 
<laughs> I mean, well, actually, the way it's like you, you take a t- if it's a tie for first, you then add all of the second preferences on. Yeah, yeah. But the issue yeah. The, where, where it could be a complete tie is if um, we all pick, we all have different people at one, two, and three. So everyone's been picked once as the first choice, once as the second choice, and once as the third choice. So in the event of that happening, um, I, I will I will I will take the casting vote. But that way. We needed some of this contention and drama after the fairly straightforward process of openers. I think we needed some of this. We needed a bit of a uh, bit of uncertainty. Yeah, we did. I said I did. I did say to you that it was gonna it was gonna kick off on um, on this one because yeah, there, there's there's no straightforward answer for number three. Go on then, Freddie, as our esteemed guest, who's your first pick? Who's your second pick? And who's your third pick? I've been I, in, I've been swayed by by uh, by Kinison's argument that, that Trot only made runs against Ben Hilfenhaus because Ben Hilfenhaus is a villager. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go uh, a, a, a late a late turn. I'm going to go with Michael Vaughan first, and then Mark Butcher, and then Jonathan Trot. So I'll, I'll write that down. I've got a little score sheet in front of me. Yeah, I don't. I've, I've got it noted down here. So Michael Vaughan. Then yeah. Mark Butcher, then Jonathan Trot. Michael, yourself? Probably for me, same order. Okay. So now I need to do the maths to work out if I can still... Oh, oh I can, but he still won't win. So my, my, my truthful order is Mark Butcher, Michael Vaughan, Jonathan Trot. But to make it a little bit more interesting, I'm going to swap those round. So Mark Butcher is definitely my first pick. Jonathan Trot, my second pick. And Michael Vaughan, my third pick. I mean, Jonathan Trot finishes on three points, and then there's a tie for first place. No, wait, that, wait this, that's not how all this voting system works. Michael Vaughan wins because he gets the majority of first preference. Yeah, I know he does. But there's a tie on seven points <laughs> for Mark. It's outrageous. So may it be, may it be noted, may it be noted, may the record show that collectively Hit the Six believed that Michael Vaughan and Mark Butcher were equally viable candidates for position number three in the batting order. But sadly, as uh, Michael Vaughan has been picked, selected first by both of you. Shame on both of you and a curse on both your houses. Uh, Michael <laughs> Vaughan is our um, selection at number three. And therefore, I presume, can we say, will be our selection for captain as well. He is, yeah. Barring, uh, barring a late entry from Stuart Broad but, um, as captain. But no, for now, Michael Vaughan's captain. Okay, so standing captain, well, not standing, as in presumed captain. For the, for, for the size, number three, Michael Vaughan. So top order of Alistair Cook, Marcus Drascothic and Michael Vaughan. Um, Superb. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm actually gutted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want, we could just, you know, we could just mix it up. We could just chuck Mark Butcher in there, just make it a bit interesting. Well, no, I mean, we could do, but no, I think, I think it's spoken. I think there's very valid reasons for Michael Vaughan to be picked, I think. And he, a top player. Michael Vaughan's picked, and he capt- He's you know he's uh, he's assumed captain. But there's a word from our coach. We should probably pick a coach as well at some point. There's a word from our coach to watch himself and not be too much of a knob. So, <laughs> at the very least, I think we'll have a, a bonus, a twelfth episode where we'll discuss both coach and who our twelfth man is. Um, oh yeah. And so we'll kind of yeah, we'll assemble. A size, a sort of a, a list of people who almost get picked that didn't. So at the, ma- at the moment, it's Andrew Strauss and Mark Butcher as our as our ones so far. He'll be on that shortlist. So who, who could be our twelfth man? So maybe he'll make an appearance there. Um, but there we have it. 
I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, Cook for Scothic Vaughan. They're our, they're our top three. And there, any final thoughts from either of you two? I think that's a pretty solid top three. As do I. And also, you know, our players aren't yet pundits yet. So I suppose we, we shouldn't necessarily <laughs> pick people based on what they've said after they've retired. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's true. Although having said that, Freddie, Michael is effectively picking a team based on the quality of their autobiography. So um, what's, what's Michael Vaughan's autobiography like, Kinniston? I've not read Vaughan's, actually, so that's a good one. I think I'd like that one, so I'm not, I need to get on that. If only you read it before, maybe it would have turned you against him. Matthew um, a seriously strong entry based on the quality of his autobiography because it's brilliant. Yeah, I can, um, yeah, I can certainly testify to that. Right, I think that is uh, all we've got time for this morning. Freddie, thank you for joining us, albeit late. Um, and Michael, pleasure as always. And we'll be back probably right. either in midweek or, or next week with our, um, our selection for number four. Who's going to be that linchpin of the England everyone, um, everyone listening, get liking, get sharing, pass the pod. We're about to pass 150 likes on Facebook. Very important, very mentor. So, yeah, get on it. 100%. And most importantly, let us know if, like me, you think Mark Butcher was robbed. <laughs> Have a lovely weekend. Have a good week. And um, see you soon. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, everyone.